Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I'm on with Christina. Um, How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Okay, Uh, Christina. Thank you for coming on. Um, So you, I follow your page, Black Sisters Midwifery. But before we go into that, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, um, and your motherhood journey? Okay. So hi, everyone. My name is Christina Germine. I'm a certified professional midwife and a licensed midwife in the state of Florida. Currently, um, I'm a solo practitioner at Black Sisters Midwifery Services. I'm serving in the Port St. Lucie area at the moment. Uh, how I got into midwifery is, uh, I'm going to get, not necessarily a long story. I've been always wanted to be a midwife since I was 16. I was introduced to it by, through a book, honestly, uh, a friend of mine's at the time. It was time for us all to get ready to figure it all out, you know, as they would say at 16 when you're about to transition to college. And a friend had a book that her mom gave her. It was about career feels in the medical uh, profession and she totally did not want it she like kind of like tossed it to me as she was cleaning her room like you want this my, my mom gave it to me and I don't want it <laughs> and I was like all right sure and I could tell you it's by um divine providence that I even read the book because I am not an avid reader like she is like she will read a page and in two seconds flat she finishes a book for me it was that I'm not into it like that's not my mo so I decided hey let me check it out one day and I started looking through the different pages and remind you this is a book that's very fast it, you know you're talking about from orthopedic surgeon to a dentist it was just all fields and let me stop you there did you even want to go into the medical field at all or it was just you just were looking at it no I was just kind of looking at just looking just in general just kind of like being voyeuristic in its regards you know uh naturally um i'm artistic so i I like to sing and draw and paint but i never as a child and that shows you about exposure or your thoughts right as a child i always thought to myself like you don't you don't make money painting (laughs) you know like because i it just that's what my thought was i know i didn't really have that kind of broader uh, understanding of it to a certain degree you know so anyways it was not a thought to like explore those realities. So I was just, you know, voyeuristically looking through the book and I landed upon midwifery and I was just like, oh, what's this? And then I was like looking into, cause this particular book also specifies the characteristics and trait of a midwife. And when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is me. Like I've never seen myself resonated on a piece of paper. And I was like, oh my goodness, I gotta do it. What do I gotta do? And, you know, so. What was it about it that resonated? Because midwifery, like how did they explain it? What did they say? Like, you know, like charismatic, like the characteristic traits of being who that person is, you know what I mean? Caring for families and moms and these stages. And I just, I think like the charismatic, that kind of empathetic understanding type that got, that's what really resonated with me because I, I, I for me that's what I feel like that's who I am I, that's the embodiment of who I am and so seeing those the characteristics it marrying also what the what you're doing to serve the individuals was like oh wow this is 
awesome. I want to do this. You know, like I want to do it. And so my journey began. I didn't know anything about the CPM route. It was not the certified professional midwife route. It was not even mentioned in this particular book. It was actually a nurse midwife. So I went to nursing school. Um, I didn't find out about the CPM route until after I was already practicing as a nurse. Oh, wow. That within itself is a super duper long story. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Like, God knows your journey for sure. Um, Isn't it already predestined, right? It's just up to us to kind of follow the... Yeah. Go. yeah, absolutely. And even when certain doors in your mind or what you really physically see seems to be closed, it's not yeah. because it's, it's for, it's intentional and it's for your good. So do not, don't doubt. So I think that that was my life journey has taught me don't doubt. Like even when a door looks like it's literally cement closed, like if somebody looked like they even took the door away completely, like don't give up hope. If it's whatever, wherever he wants you to be, you're going to be guaranteed no matter what, even if he had a, you know, create a new door out of nowhere, you know, it's going to happen. Absolutely. So, uh, long story short. So I applied to, I, okay. So I was finding out what is, um, the different, um, routes into midwifery versus being a, a nurse midwife, interestingly enough. So, um, cause at this time, even though I completed my, R, um, my bachelor's for RN, I actually was an LPN at the time. So I was like, okay, how do I become a midwife? And so I kind of paused with like my academics because I had my daughter and I said, you know what, to me, I couldn't, I tried, I literally attempted to, I didn't want to say I tried, but I attempted to do an online course. And I was like, this is not for me. Not with no brand new baby. <laughs> and I was like in love with my baby and being a mom. So I said that that for me took precedence and it will always take precedence for me as a, a, a person. Sure. And so I just, yeah. So I like did the one little course online passed it and I was just like I'm not going to continue this I just want to raise my daughter and I, I'm super grateful for it because for me I feel like family myself and family comes first and I enjoyed it because children grow so fast and all the little magical moments I felt like I would have missed if I was like my face you know was in a book you know because I I'm it's hard for me to find that in, that good balance because sure. I'm either yes either I'm all in in one thing or all in the other I feel like if I'm not giving the best to um, each thing I'm not doing it probably yeah that's how I feel yeah. yeah. So for me, it's like, uh-uh, if anything, I'm going to do this properly. I'm going to be a mom. You know, I'm going to be here. <laughs> so how long was your break? How long was My that break? break was about five years, but as that was going on, I was working as a mother baby nurse um, in Brooklyn, New York, and I enjoyed it very thoroughly, to be honest. Basically, you're on track to become this nurse, so on track to figure out midwifery. You get pregnant, and then you're like, okay, that's a demanding, it's yeah. demanding, and both are, right? Being a mother's demanding, trying to start yeah. your career at the time is demanding. So then from there, you're like, okay, you still stayed in the realm of helping moms and children. Oh, and yeah. Baby. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I was still always there. So even with the five years pause in regards to academics, I was there already on the field anyways. I was doing, like I said, mother baby nursing, and I also did one year of pediatrics. So I was always in the field of like helping individuals or, you know, uh, moms and babies. Um, also like being a lactation counselor because our hospital was baby friendly. And so, you know, everyone had to be, um, for the most part at the time, because um, it just was like a new initiative when I was, when I started sitting for it. So anyways, 
long story short, I did the CLC and so things of that nature. So I've always been in it. Um, but after a while, once my daughter got big, I'm like, okay, enough is enough. I need to, I, I want to be a midwife. I don't want to be a floor nurse. <laughs> and um, I was looking for different routes. So there was at the time, well, it still is, there's a school across the street from my hospital called SUNY Downstate. And I was like, oh, well, they have a master's level school. Let me see if I can get into it. But that particular year, they, I did not get into it. And they said the pool is full, um, you know, try back for next semester, next year. So then I found a route called the CPM route while Googling. Thank God for the internet. I know a lot of times the older midwives were like, well, I didn't know about these routes because I didn't have the internet. And so thank God I was fortunate enough, I guess at the moment, because I probably could have found it earlier, but who knows? Only God knows. I found out about the CPM route. So I looked up the different states that had the um, accredited schools because, you know, there's um, some schools that are not accredited and some there are. And so I found, you know, the one in Florida called the Florida School of Traditional Midwifery. And I had family that was in Florida. So I said, even though I had no one in Gainesville, I thought to myself, like, well, I want to do this. I'm wow. going to, yeah, I'm just going to relocate and take my daughter. <laughs> and so my, um, my mom at the time, I was like, mom, I need your help. Can you help me? Um, Cause she was in Fort Lauderdale, which is not the same distance as the Gainesville. No, and definitely like, not. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, uh, cause it's like a five and a half hour, six hour drive. And I was like, I need your help. Um, cause I'm a single mom. I was like, I need your help. I want to go back to school. Can you help me? And she was like, yeah. So she uh, moved with wait. me. Think of all the, like what you, the sacrifice you made as a mom to say, okay, hold on. I'm going to put this on pause, but still having the end goal there to be with your daughter. And I'm sure your mom had a I mean, she had a life in Fort Lauderdale. Absolutely. And also a 16 year old sister. So she, it was like a package deal. So Oh man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it is beautiful. And it was like, at the same token, super rough because um, I was like, because I was a nurse, I was like the primary breadwinner to a certain degree. Cause my mom was like, almost like the stay at home grandma to like, um, to, to help raise, you, like help yeah. my daughter. Right. Because when I got to Florida, she was in private school since she was like two and a half. And so when we got to Florida, they transportation was an issue because she wasn't a driver. So that was because in Fort Lauderdale, she, you know, lived across the street from, you know, family and she could manage. She could walk, she could maneuver. Yeah, her her church was like three blocks, two blocks down, you know, so this was like a whole new world for for everyone. Let's just keep it real. And it was rough because family, more and more, the way I stayed away from, well, not stayed away, the more and more we were away from family, the more and more I realized even more how vitally they're important to the, your your well-being like holistically especially when it comes to the mental or even physical touch it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot so come pulling my daughter and everybody out of like this new realm or this new um, sphere it was really it was taxing for sure and then also with midwifery school well this particular midwifery program you can't really work um, you can't work at all, to be honest. <laughs> and thank God I was a nurse. So I was able to do like, um, I guess you call it per diem jobs or, you know, like agency jobs where like you can, you don't have no obligation to it per, per se, you know? And so I would do some night shifts here and there, but it was really, 
it was just taxing all over, which I'm, for me, I was like, I don't think that would be the best move for people. I know people do it, <laughs> but it, it's super taxing. So nonetheless, I was able to complete the program. Um, and then I went back to New York, but New York does not have the CPM licensure as of yet. Um, so a group of CPMs that are in New York, we started a, um, <clears throat> a not-for-profit organization called NYCPM Incorporated, uh, Incorp, uh, where we are working to bring licensure to the CPM in the state of New York. And wow. So, so, so basically you graduate, you're in Florida, you go back to New York and now you yeah. want it. Now you want to make this readily available for other women. So you create this organization to get that done. Yeah. So yeah, a group of us though, because I'm not definitely want to say I was the main person no, for sure. No, but yeah, something yeah, that yeah. you're involved in. Yeah. That some CPMs that were in the state of New York are like, you know, we need to, we want to practice at home, you know? And I'm like, because that initially, once I did graduate from the program, I knew that I could not practice in New York, but my plan was to practice in New Jersey. So once I got home though, I was like, I'm not feeling, I don't feel, I don't feel spiritually led to be a midwife in another state because I felt like that's not my home, you know, but you know, I guess being young initially, I was like, oh yeah, I just drive to Jersey. But then after the program, you know, almost four years later, I was just like, no, I want to be home. I, I've always envisioned being the, the midwife of the block, you know, because even when I got back home to New York, they're like, oh yeah, we got a midwife on the block. And I thought to myself, like, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be like awesome if it was yeah, really you're helping bring babies on the block that you know that, you, you know, that yeah. you could see grow up and, oh no, that's beautiful. Yeah, or, you know, the midwife that knows what's going on in the community or knows, like, yes, girls, do not go to Publix, go to Kroger's or whatever, because, you know, no, <laughs> the mangoes I are on sale, you know, <laughs> you know, so that's my whole, how I would always envision it. And it, I always knew that midwifery was a part of me anyways, because of my, um, my mom's side and my my dad's side, they're, uh, my great grandmothers are both midwives, but I didn't know it till I got into into midwifery. Because wow. my yeah, and because my my dad, when I first told him I wanted to be a midwife, he he was just like a midwife, you know? Do they still have midwives, you know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's and the misconception. That's the misconception. Yeah, exactly. And so my mom, she didn't tell me like until midway in the program, which is interesting enough. I don't know why she didn't mention it. She was like, you know what's interesting when you told me. You wanted to be a midwife I just kind of laughed a little bit internally not in a bad way but almost like a, oh okay and she's like your great-grandmother was a midwife I'm like really I was like she's like yeah you didn't know that and I think it's because she thought I knew it but maybe because I was a child and maybe it didn't register because I'm little I'm not thinking no. like yeah I'm not thinking like yeah midwife I'm two five I don't know so mm-hmm. hearing that I was like okay it makes sense because I know like for me personally when I was when I am in the birth room, it just built me, it just connect and makes sense. So I tell people it's like almost like a, there's a melody of birth, like there's a rhythm, there's a harmony in birth when it's right. You know, all the keys are played right. You can just tell it's just in the room. It's, so I hear the music, right? Let me, let me ask with your own birth, since you were going into um, to study to become a midwife and you had this idea and, and, and understood and everything like you just said, which I agree. And I feel like that's a disservice that the medical medical community does to moms is that they don't properly show or state how it is empowering and how birth is this spiritual thing of bringing life. And there's so many of these beautiful elements. So while you were pregnant, you know, did you search for a midwife? You know, like how was your experience? So this is good. This is a good conversation because I feel like 
I, and I'm grateful. That's why I say I'm grateful for my journey. I'm grateful for having a medical background and also having like, say the out of hospital training as well too. So it, for me personally, I wasn't even aware of the CPM route until after I had my daughter, like four years afterwards. Right. And so I knew that I, I think I kind of knew that I don't even know if I really, really resonated with me that home birth was a thing, but midwives was a thing. Cause I knew that since 16, but actually having it physically in a home. Oh, that's true. Right. Cause it was, yeah. Cause I knew I wanted to be a midwife. So I knew they existed and I knew they had them like somewhat in the hospital, but not like in abundance. It was not like a thing of like, I guess really well spoke of like, Oh yes, we have obstetricians and we have midwives and they're well indoctrinated and you know, no one's having these commercials, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's not, you know, on most career days, that's not who they're going to like probably uh, amplify or, you know, that kind of thing. So long story short, I actually had my baby in the hospital. I wouldn't, I would say that there is some, like they say, don't have regrets, but if I knew what I know now, I would, I would have had my baby at home. <laughs> Uh, you know, at the time I was 24 and I didn't have any, the baby didn't have any, no, there was no complications on both ends and things of that nature. But even knowing the process, even with pushing, I mean, where I know my body instinctually pushed and uh, was pushing and the, the, the nurse was like, wait, wait, Christina, wait for the doctor. And I thought to myself, the doctor, like, you know, <laughs> my body needs to push. I should just push. Yeah. And a part of me, and then, but it, it, it almost enraged me as a young lady. I'm like, who, first of all, who is the doctor? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and you want me to wait for who? You know, like I've been in like so much like discomfort or pain. Where was this doctor then? You know, so I was kind of like irate to be quite frank. Um, so that's why I'm saying now coming um, full circle and having the information I do know now, knowing that yeah, you could breathe your baby down, and I wouldn't be upset by the fact that you know this new stranger is going to be entering the room that's telling me to wait. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, um, when it comes to the medical field, I feel like it's two different, it's two different worlds, even though they're, fun they're function to a certain degree in regards to assisting with the birth of life. Right. But it's almost like I call the hospital from personally, like the conveyor belt of care. You become like a chameleon, a shapeshifter. You have a lot of patients that I know I did. And, and sometimes you'll have shorter staff. So it's like, how do you really expect me to be like, Hey, Oh my God, that is really rough. I could still have empathy for sure, but the time allotted is, is going to be even that much more difficult <clears throat> because you have other requirements. You have other patients ringing bells. Somebody needs meds. Someone didn't get their clearance to be discharged home. So it's like, you're like almost like at times everything could be on fire and you're still being like the peacemaker of like, wow, you didn't get your X, Y, Z. Okay. Uh, I'm going to check on it. Just give me a few seconds to finish this last client room. I'll be right back, you know, but that's, that's a hard balance to do. And so you have to realize that that system is like the conveyor belt of care. It's not, it's going to be very difficult to give that individualized care. And that's the reason why even going, and I thank God that he allowed me to see that that birth was never an abnormality. So that's why I never, even in school, when I was, I got there at 17, I uh, got to college early. And so they were like, um, they were like, oh, Christine, what you want to be? Uh, I'm like, I want to be a midwife. I don't want to be a nurse. And so they would laugh because I'm in nursing school. I'm like, I don't want to be a nurse, but they told me this is the route. I have to be a nurse first before I, you know? So my friends were always 
laugh because like this girl's here in this class so I don't want to be no nurse and so because I n- never saw her birth as an abnormality or a disease not an illness and that you know it's not a pathology that I'm learning about this is like a nap for me birth is a natural occurrence like blinking my eyes I don't have to ask someone's permission or you know oh my gosh she's about to blink or she's about to sneeze or cough or talk um so I didn't see the necessity for it to be in that framework but that's where they whoever the powers that be has placed it there and so now coming uh full circle into like this other out of hospital care it was nice because i when when i was in class i was like wow i get to see you do your thing versus me doing a thing you know what i'm saying like no it's your body's gonna do its thing and if anything i'm just here if it comes out if it steps out of the realms of normal you know, and if it steps out of that realm, I now do my due diligence and get you the necessary care um, to do to done. And I think that's a good, I, I think you, I think that's a really good point to kind of emphasize and especially to the podcast world, because I think, and I think it's great, number one, that you do have the science, you know, you have the medical science because it's what you've been taught and you could also have seen in the real life and then also your experience. Um, but I think it's a good point to put out there that, yes, I think it's been I don't even know if sensationalized is the right word. And as you said, the powers that be, because it's not really the current OBGYN's fault or the current this, it's just what's been kind of taught and brought yeah. down um, is that it is treated as a disease. My, um, and I'm not going to go into my home birth story, but one of the reasons why I chose to have a midwife is I had seen a documentary called The Business of Being Born that I recommend every new mom to see. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. Yes. Um, and it's just eye opening of just um, how birth has become this profitable um, thing in this country and why certain things are pushed, but that's a whole other topic. Um, so that kind of pushed me towards this. I don't know. Come to find out, my husband, his um, aunt who lives in Trinidad, has been a registered nurse um, midwife for over 30 years. Never pushed it on anybody. She does her thing. But I remember one of the biggest things she told me was that she's like, don't treat this like you have a sickness. When you're pregnant, like it's a disease, like we're sick. And oh, she was like, no, no, no. She's like, do not treat it like it's a sickness. You are giving birth. It's a natural thing. Women have been giving birth to the beginning of time, right? We are not the first ones. You know, we want this narcissistic, like, oh, it's just me. No, no, no. People have been giving it way before you. You're not the, you know, whatever. And that just stuck with me. And I'm so happy you said that because I think it's so true. They treat it like it's almost like a disease and a sickness, um, as opposed to it being a natural thing that our bodies are meant to do. Yes, absolutely. The organic fluid fluidity of it, of just letting it run its course, obviously within reason, obviously, if you're not high risk, if you don't have any underlying health issues, but if mommy and baby are basically healthy, why can't we let the moms do it in a natural way? So I'm glad you said that because that's such a major, major point that I don't think is discussed about often. Yeah. And it's really, and it's the truth, you know, for the most part, you, I mean, we've all seen videos of people having babies in parking lots and they're actually on their way to go to a center or a hospital because this is real and it it can happen that way. You know what I'm saying? And so even a mom I had recently, she had a precipitous birth and, you know, within like three and a half hours, she had the baby from start to finish. And I'm like, what in the world? I mean, that's how some people can be, you know, and you sit there as you watch her, I'm like, wow, girl, you did that. She's like, I can't believe it. I'm like, yes, I can't believe it, you know, because I know that it's possible, you know what I mean? And that's the, that's the beauty. And I, sometimes a part of me, I wish for the most part, I know it's un, it can be a little bit unrealistic, but if everyone can have that understanding that, hey, my midwife could be at my door banging on the door, like, let me in, you're about to have that baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you have the baby in your bathroom with your elders, your oldest children, and they're like, "Mom, you just had a baby." Well, the the children were not surprised. They're like, "Well, if you had us, of course you can have a baby," you know. <laughs> but she never had an out of hospital baby, and so that story for it itself was even empowering for me, even as a midwife, to be like, "Yes, it's just another way of affirmation." Like we women have their babies for the most part. The majority of women can have their babies without even their midwife. Yes, because I tell my that all the time. If I could, I, if I could jump inside of your belly some mysterious way and birth your baby, no, I because I can't. Your body has to do all the um, the steps of the process of, of labor. It has to go through the stages of labor, and labor and birth is just like parallel for my life. And that's the reason why I love birth because it's like in life we all have to go through the stages of labor. Yes, I would love if somebody can go go through them with me. But for the most part, I'm the only one feeling all those sensations. And mm -hmm. I'm the only one that, like they said, you don't know the cost of the oil in the alabaster box because only I know what that feels like, you know, even though we both could be pregnant. Only I'm going to be the one carrying it. So I'm only going to be the one that's actually feeling it in its totality. You may have an understanding mm -hmm. or a level of empathy, but you say if my baby is OP and it's really pushing on my my coxie bone, you're not feeling that. You may be like, oh girl, I see, I feel you. And you may be mm -hmm. massaging it so well, but at the end of the day, I'm still the one that's gonna have to bear it and I'm gonna have to go through it. And so that's the reason why I feel like birth definitely has to go back to what it was, where people understood that I have to go through this. Mm -hmm. No one can go through this for me. I have to go through this. Mm -hmm. And, and knowing that's the thing that our bodies are meant to do. We are meant right. to do. Yes. And also knowing that you can. You know, I, I remember with my first time mommy, she was a first time mom. And I was like, you know, and I have to be, you have to give them that realization. Like, I know it's tough, but guess what? We're all here because somebody went through it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, your mom is outside cheering you on, you know, because sometimes we let the parents stay out a little bit so that you can give the what, the mom the concert. I'm like, but you're going through it just like she did and just like we all did. And you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to make it on the other side. You will. Sure. You will. I think yeah. it's just, there's so many images, like you were kind of saying how we see of like people giving birth on the side of the road. But think of all the images we've seen of this woman, like, you know, screaming, you know, like making it this fearful image of what birth yeah. is, you know, of this, yeah. of women screaming, which, okay, yeah, you might be in pain, but then yeah. I remember being taught, like, actually don't scream and just kind of surrender to it and yeah. breathe with it. And, um, yeah. we don't talk about that. <laughs> you don't, well, not yeah. we, we do, but I'm saying, you know, you don't see it commercialized. And on right. TV. And that's where that's where the importance of having these conversations um, about birth and I feel like, uh, about everything like like let's look at let's be realistic. Um, you know, the things that we eat, the things we drink, you you know, everything that you put into your mind, like they say, you are what you eat. So if all that you have been exposed to is the hospital for the most part. Yeah. Um, you're like for me, I, I would say I was indoctrinated from young. So in your mind, even though you know there's a midwife, unless you have a like a strong a strong staunch thought of it, I'm thinking, okay, have the baby in the hospital, no big deal. And I'm not saying that's a yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, because there's some people that have great uh hospital births. You know what I'm saying? So I know a lot of times you know, at, we're in the climate of like demonizing it to a certain degree, but yeah. for those that, um, for, for those that truly need the emergency care, I would definitely say, thank God that it is there. But for those that are um, not of in need of emergent, emergent care, which the majority of moms are not in need of emergent care, but what we are in need of is seasoned midwives. And I say seasoned, meaning that they have been seeing this over and over in, in season, out of season. And that has been taken away 
from the people. Like, you know, you want to say the people? Yeah, the people of the world, for the most part, in the United States, in my mind, have been taken away from that, that, that true natural art form of families being um, the ones that were in the birth room for managing, not even managing, but assisting with the birth. Because the right. mom, like I said, the mom is the one that birthed the baby. That's why I say, I'm not, we know that even the terminology deliver. I'm not delivering nobody's baby. Like, oh, yeah, unless you in some issue, you have some trouble, then I can understand that, that you assisted with that quote unquote delivery. But for the most part, the mother birthed the baby. The mother birthed the baby. So even that dot, even that language has to be changed. You're right. birthing the baby. You know, so because that, that, because that gives the responsibility back in the mother's hands. Because I'm not the one doing it. Because like, oh, well, I can't have this baby unless you're here. Like, who said so? <laughs> and there it goes back with being indoctrin indoctrinated with the fear of thinking. And again, it's not, and maybe not on a malicious tent. And I know, like you said, the hospital being um, demonized, which is, I guess, another good point. Because and I don't think it means to be, but because we do know that the, that things are more for for, for profit and. We hear if, you know, if once you go to a hospital, your chances of possibly having a C-section because then once you start adding pitocin in the mix and epidural to the mix can have, um, um, can cause complications, you know, there's statistics with all of that. So of course, yeah. then when people do hear that, they become fearful. Um, yeah. So it is tough. It is tough because I'm all for a woman's choice. Look, honey, if you want to go to the hospital, you don't have epidural, that's your choice. But I also want women to be educated to know, but you could also do it. You can do it. Your body was meant to do it. So that's my, I guess, take on it. You know, I think women should be able to do whatever they want to do, but just be educated because I think some women who do have that is like you said, is because that's what they've always seen. Well, I'm going to give birth in a hospital yeah. and I'm going to have an epidural because that's what. Yeah, that's what cult. That's, that's what, that's what, that's what you see that. But know hmm. that there are other ways that there could be other ways that you don't have to go the status quo route yeah. and actually I want to ask you um do you know like how many how many births have you been to because I always find it amazing when I talk to midwives and they're like oh hundreds and you know like well how many births do you well know? for me I'm a new grad so it's not I, it wouldn't be hundreds for me for like a total of like 90 births that I've been to yeah That's well do you know some of the yeah, the majority of them are at the majority of them was in my clinical practice as a student and then afterwards you know coming out of care so, I mean, you coming just out of so wait you just graduated you just finished yeah, yeah, like a year and a half ago, I did the, I wasn't practicing, no, because I was in New York with the, you know, figuring out all out, like, where am I going to practice, can't practice in the New York, you know, let's, and then I decided, that's why you see, if anything, I started as of this year, January, taking in clients into care, um, so yeah, I've, I'm a brand new midwife, I would, oh, you would call me, yeah, you would call me the baby midwife, you know what I'm saying, because it's almost, and, and that's another thing that I would love to talk about, because a lot of times, that's why it's a good to have this par this this paradigm or this kind of conversation because me coming now as a new midwife like establishing practices like you learn that in school to a, a very minimal degree I wish it, I could say it was like you're indoctrinated into knowing like you're a businesswoman now no you're and that's a whole nother realm you know what I'm saying and so when people even when the birth being profit birth anything has to have a pro has to have money associated sure. with it, right. Yeah, and so, and I think that that is another thing that needs to be addressed in the birth world too, because now it's where the thought pattern is like, well, you're a midwife, so you should be doing everything out of love. Right? Oh, so every, I got you. Every, okay, yes, that's a very good point. Right, right. All the payments to receive in oxytocin love. They're like, really? I don't think um, the con, I mean, the, um, I was going to say con ed, because that's what New York's um, electricity people are, or FPL. I don't think the light man or the water man is going to receive my payments 
with the air of love, you know, <laughs> like this, the love, you know. And so, yes, you have to make money from it. And I, and I, the midwives are old. That's why it has to go back to community because you took care of you, what you're supposed to. And if you're not, that's a shame on you. You took care of your mother or your sister, or your brother. You made sure they had roofs over their head and clothes. You took care of them. You fed them. So it was not a thing of like, oh, I was at your birth for all these hours and you didn't even give me nothing. No, the, your family took care of you. Your family took care of you. And now if you want to now almost, because that's why I say it's such a delicate thing in regards to midwife, because a part of people do see you as family. But I'm like, if I am truly your family, you're going to make sure that I'm taken care of as well, too. Sure. And yes. that's what I'm saying a lot of, yeah, and that's what I'm saying a lot of times in the birth world, people, are, they are jaded by that factor. They th it's a part of, it's almost like they don't, some people don't want to pay the midwife. Seriously. Yeah. They that's just good. want you to be there. Yeah. And then we are, we are like your hospital in one and then some. Because like even me being a solo practitioner and which is where I'm going to actually, I'm taking a little a mini hiatus or pause because I'm like, I have to revamp things because being a single mom. And then also because I do have a high level of empathy, I realized that it became, it became overwhelming because you're, we're in a new age of overstimulation, right? Somebody sends you an email, someone sends you a text message. Any, anything at any back in time now. Some people have enough understanding to like, hey, she's sleeping, maybe I shouldn't text her at one o'clock. But there's some people that will and not thinking, who knows? And because I'm hyper vigilant in that way, I'm gonna check at two o'clock. I'm like, who's 2 a.m., 2 a.m., you know, like, what? Oh, you know? And I may respond or may not respond, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about, the new age where, can you call your doctor at any time? No, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, well, maybe, so you basically, you're trying to determine then what those boundaries are for you to be able to give still that personal care. Exactly. And not then you being, unless it's an emergency, that they think that they can just text you anytime because they just want to text you and it's not exactly. an emergency. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost finding, being a new grad, it's like finding that balance of, okay, when to get, and thank God I, I'm older, because I feel like if I was not in my 30s, in my 20s, I would have been had that, that, that super 20-year-old adrenaline. You're like, yeah, I'll answer anything. <laughs> but the older you get, you're like, oh, oh, now that's just not going to work. I've got to literally start setting up standards and boundaries because my, now I realize my own personal mental health is going to be affected. You know what I mean? Because and so it's, it's, like I said, so for all the midwives out there, I'm not saying doctors don't have a hard, but for all the midwives out there, God bless you because it, it, is, it, is, a, it is a very labor of love for sure. Like you labor. Because when you, each mom that comes into my care, to me, it's like almost like not ownership in a bad way, but almost, almost. <laughs> you would say, that's my mom, you know, like that's mine. Like, you know, nobody touch her, nobody mess with her, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, and because the care is that intimate, that's how it becomes like, oh, she has a problem. We got to fix it. Or she's well, calling me. It's because I think, and for the people out there who don't know of really the different. So actually, why don't you tell me your, um, your thing of what you think the difference is between a midwife and an OBGYN as far as, like, cause you've had OBGYNs, right? So yes. what your differences and, you know, and look, this is obviously not to knock either way. Cause like I said, you do whatever we're talking about midwifery. Um, and this is your path and your journey. So what do you think the differences are? Um, and I'm going to tell you what I feel my difference are based on my experience. Cause I did have an OBGYN yeah. the first five months of my pregnancy and she was sweet, yeah. but it, it, it didn't have that one-on-one -on -one personal touch. So tell me, tell me well, that I think that's the biggest thing for the most part is the, um, the personal 
relationship that you do have with your provider. Like they do become almost to a certain degree, like family to a certain degree, some more than others. You know how that goes. Cause some, you really have a real kinship or kind of like connection with the individual. So they, they tend to stay in your life forever. You know it, you just already know yeah. like, I'm going to be at this baby's parties and I'm going to, they call me for some dinner because the, the grandpa and grandma can cook. I'm going to go over there if I can, if I'm available. And that's just how it's going to happen because I want to be there, you know? <laughs> um, so that's, that's difficult for a, a obstetrician. Like, it let's is. just think about it. They have volume. So, the, you know, they have volume. And that is, the, that is pretty much the issue right there. Um, obstetrician is going to, like, say, if they see maybe 30 women in one day, I'm seeing one or two. And think about even the red tape they have liability wise with insurance. Can they really be like, Hey, call me after, you know, that's, then you're kind of stepping over boundaries. I would think imagine too, where a midwife, it's kind of, um, it's my cell phone, you know, text me. It's a different, exactly. It's just a different level of service. Yeah. Yeah. And we tell them when to, you know, cause we're not on call until for the most part, like say most midwives in my state in Florida, where I'm at now, it's like 37 weeks. So it shouldn't be a thing where you are, you know, texting me vicariously in the middle of the night. Now, if it's 37 weeks, that's because you're in window. So now any time, any, you know, you may need me cause some, you may have a baby within 37 weeks, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or onward, because by law, we can do out of hospital births from 37 weeks up to 42 weeks. Okay. So that's why we say you're, you're on call. So gotcha. if you tell me, oh, I'm having some contractions and we're gonna wake up at 3 a.m. and analyze what's going on with you. And we're gonna be talking about what's going on and determine if it is warranted for me to be there right now to go see what's going on or X, Y, Z. So where, yeah, so the hospital and obstetricians, they're different in that regard because of the volume, I would say, because I would, I know some obstetricians in there are phenomenal. Like I said, they're great, but they're somewhat still going to be a stranger to you. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like because birth is, and that's what I'm saying, birth is intimate. Even me, like I've, even on my page, I've posted like one birth of like where the baby's actually be, um, descending, where the mom's actually pushing. And I sent, I showed the picture because I thought like, man, that picture was so powerful. She looked so powerful, like almost like in control. Like she's hard, you could see like she harnessed all of that. And I was like, I'm doing this. And I thought that that was so powerful. And that's why I show, uh, I displayed it. But for me, even me personally, I actually do not like to post birth videos or video uh, or uh, pictures of a baby actually coming out of a birth canal. Cause for me, for me and everybody's different, it's so sacred that I just, I feel like that's my way of honoring it. Like no one needs to see this, but you and whoever you need to be seeing it. No, for sure. I don't. Yeah. So for me, I just, I really kind of like, that's just not my MO. Now I would watch some of them that is out there, but for me personally, sometimes I actually just zoom past it because not because of anything. Cause for me, it's almost like my way of showing reference online. Like, Ooh, that's your, that's your sacred time and space. <laughs> and I want The rebirth, your baby's coming out. It's, it's coming out. It's, it's, that's like an intimate, that is like the most, I mean, you're pushing and it's like coming all, you know, it's there. Yeah. It is a very, um, yeah. The intimacy for me is so intimate that even though it's virtual and somebody else, and I don't even know them, I'm like, uh, I'm <laughs> and so that's why, yeah. Cause I'm almost like, oops, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong room. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, because to me, that's how sacred it is for me. That's just my take on it. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's, it's different. And so for, 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 for like, for, the obstetrician, I can't, that's what I'm saying, like, it's going to hard to actually, like, 
give like a, you can generalize to a certain degree, but for each and every individual, it's still sure. so personal. Because even as a nurse, I did the best I could in regards to handling those that may have as uh, that may need me because it's a priority list, right? Because even in nursing right. school, they teach you about who's a priority at the time. Like, is the person that may need pain medication a priority versus the person that just came through the ER with, uh, say, a missing limb? No, I'm going to run to the person with the missing limb because. May, even though you may be having pain, hopefully it's not chest pain, because that's where, of course, all things stop, because that might be respiratory. You know what I'm saying? So they teach us what's a priority. Where now, um, say with midwifery, we don't have the same amount of um, patient load, but we have the same, we go in depth. Like, for, well, for those midwives that are in tune, you feel something even before they speak it. Like, I've had pe people call me in labor before before they even call me to tell me they were in labor, I was in labor. I'm not lying. I keep it real. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm like the baby because I'm like going through it. And so that's the reason why I realized. <laughs> that's what I say. Some midwives, I promise you, you'd be like, oh my God. This, this, I didn't know that this calling was going to be this kind of calling, you know? <laughs> Cause, and that's another thing for me being like a woman. I feel like sometimes even that is another level of like super intimacy of like my midwife you know, told me when it was time to push yeah they and know. i was just laying there and i was like am i have i transitioned yet like what's going on and i had a charlie horse like it was just so like i was like over it and she's mm -hmm. like right, she comes to my room you want to start pushing and i'm like i can't and she's like i mean unless you don't want to i was like oh and i and you know it started because I, I guess the breathing like she just knew like it was just like you're you know you're ready and i'm yeah. like okay <laughs> Yeah, and I, yeah. I pushed in 20 something minutes, you know, so it's crazy how, um, how knowledgeable, like you said, like in tune, and I yeah. think, it, which isn't fair, correct, I guess with, with the obstetricians with it, because it is volume, so they can't give the same amount. Yeah, like how in tune can you get if you're looking, first of all, you're looking at a monitor for some when they come into the floor, and you know, they're taking over someone else's shift, so I don't know you, I don't. I don't have no reference to who you are, but I'm supposed to always be empathetic and, you know, compassionate yeah. and caring and not do no, and do no harm. Right. And do no harm. But initially when I get on the floor, I'm like, okay, who's Susan B. Anthony, uh, Mary Jane Lewis. Okay. What about her? Okay. Her contractions looking good. Her, her, oh no, this tracing doesn't look that great. You know? So that's what they're seeing first before they even step into the room. You know what I'm saying? And then you have to deal with those di dynamics. And don't get me wrong, because even with my own personal birth, I felt like there was a lot of, like, uh, unaware disrespects that go on. You know, like, eat, literally checking people without even saying, hi, my name is Dr. Ho-and-so. You know, you're like, wait a minute. And that's another thing that, can you imagine if women, we, if we became more conscious, like, wait a minute. I don't even know that man's name. Did he yeah. just check me while I was sleeping? But like you said, you know? in his mind, and we not maliciously, but he's like, look, I got to come in and look. And he's just as, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, she's probably heavily sedated with epidural, whatever. Who knows? Maybe she's been up for 10 hours or 20 hours and she just fell asleep so hard. And I might have tapped her in the leg, hey, Susan, wake up. And she's still not waking up. Like, well, I got to check her. I got to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no. so I don't know because I can't excuse everybody. And some people really have terrible bedside manner. You know what I'm saying? Some people just do. Um, but that, that would be saying that there's some midwives that don't have terrible manners as well too but hopefully you're picking somebody that's going to resonate with who you are you, and that's correct. the difference with midwifery care and you can do the same thing with obstetricians you can pick that's the thing you can pick 
who be who is entitled to be in your space because it is your space a lot of times i feel like because of time and resources sometimes you're like well this is just the doctor who's here today i got more insurance anyways. and that's where it comes where i say the profit exactly the insurance that you have so it becomes because i 100 percent agree to go back to the business thing you're running a business yeah. um so a hundred percent so whoever thinks that midwife things should be for free that's just crazy um yeah. but what i say the for-profit is like you know the hospital's maybe push certain things um, or charge for everything because yeah there's it's inflation you know, for sure insurances don't it's it yeah. comes in a whole big realm of oh it. yeah oh yeah and i see like some doctors have to make those like obstetricians like you know being the 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 mother baby nurse and seeing like those dialogues you know you'll hear like sometimes sometimes you'll see the tough decisions that they do have to make you know what i'm saying or like one doctor telling me do you know i can't believe i got a penny for that patient, uh, literally, like the insurance company wrote them a penny or something like that because of something went down. But nonetheless, these are things, real things that are happening to people, and people are being distressed and uh, distressed on a lot of different factors. You know what I'm saying? Um, even when I was a nurse, like they want you to be working, like you're working full staff. So you're you're meeting the needs of people when you know you're you're you don't even have the manpower to do so. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But the show must go on because right. that's what it is. You know. So Tell me during COVID, let's kind of pivot a little bit during COVID, like how has COVID affected um, your ability to care? What, what's been that like for you? Well, I like the fact that I'm an independent practitioner. Let's put that there. <laughs> but, but I, I still adhere to, you know, what is deemed as safe in regards to wearing the mask and hand hygiene. But I would say for all those, we should always have been practicing hand hygiene. So it should not be a nuance to wash your hands. As soon as I, even I teach um, birth assistant workshop classes and I tell people before you enter anyone, after you enter someone's house with this, just a high, I mean, don't even, if, if anything, just give them a wave at this moment. Like, hold on, let me wash my hands first. And then I'll give, we could get all the nice greets and loving and huggings, right? Because I was outside and I could touch a whole lot of different things. And so for the most part, allow me just to wash my hands and then we can get all into the, all the, all the lovings, you know, um, yeah. that's what I call it, all my lovings. But yeah, and, but I still wear the, we I still wear the mask. Some clients would prefer not to wear the mask and I give people that autonomy, but I do wear the mask um, just because of that's just, as a practitioner, that's what you want to do. Yeah. And um, I had, I did actually have a transfer, but the beautiful thing about it is, and that's why it's good to know your community. I, I do hospital tours. And so I go in the hospital, I meet the staff, I meet the, they, I let them run down all their hospital right. policies to me. And so in the event that I need to transfer, that's the reason why I have these working relationships to understand like, hi, yes, I'm a midwife in the area and I'm here doing hospital tours to find out your hospital policies and procedures. So that in the event, if my clients needed to transfer, they would want to know this information. Like, are they able to keep their placenta? Can they labor in the water? You know, um, are, do they have to, can they sign a waiver if they don't want um, um, uh, immunizations or vitamin K or hepatitis? You know, what? where are those papers? Can I have a copy? You know, like, do you honor birth plans? You know, so I am doing the work like that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, like a real, and that's what I'm saying, like midwives, they, they definitely should be getting paid more. Hopefully they're charging what they deserve. And a lot of midwives yeah. don't. That's another problem. A lot of midwives do not charge what they should. Yeah. For the kind of care that they give, they do not, with all caps lock, um, yeah. charge the way they should. And then the mere fact that some patients will not necessarily pay them on time, that to me is yeah. 
ridiculous. So you have to, but that's your part of honoring yourself where you say like your payment must be done by 34 weeks because in the event that you have to transfer to the hospital, I'm there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that you're okay. There's no, you know, this is personalized care, individualized care. So in regards to COVID, like I said, I have the client and I, you know, the closest hospital, she had like, she, thank God, had options. So in regards to the proximity of the hospital, because to do a home birth, would have to be within 30 mile radius. So yeah. I'm like, you know what? I've looked at this particular hospital. I love it. <laughs> like I loved whatever the staff was warm. You know, I was like, I was going to say, how has it been when you do go to these hospitals? Do they receive you well? Because I've yeah, heard perceptions where sometimes they don't always work with the midwife. Every hospital is different. And that's just the honest to God truth. Because guess what? I may have talked to a nurse. I may have interviewed or you know made some rapport with nurse susan but nurse sandra is just like a nightmare let's just keep it real some people can their behavior can be like a nightmare you know but for the most part um and i and i maybe it's the the because i've been i am from the medical background so it's like i if i'm doing a transfer report remember i already i already looked at the facility so for me my spirit feels good you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a good move. If we're going to transfer anywhere, this is where you're going to transfer to. Yeah. So I call L&D, ask who's in, you know, the nurse on st- on charge for the day, give her my report. She was peachy keen, like literally, like, oh, no problem, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Let me fax whatever you need to be faxed. And she'll be arriving at this time with me, X, Y, Z. The only difference now with COVID, which is unfortunate, is that I cannot go with them. So what I do do is I drive behind them. I ushered them into the front security. We give our hugs and we know, I'm like, call me if you need me. And that's wow. what they do today. They'll call me in the hospital. Like, hey, I'm in the room. Everything is fine. And within three hours, she literally had the baby and it was like beautiful. And <laughs> so I was like, great, great, great. And I'm so happy that she did, you know, and I was <laughs> because that, that also gave that particular client the ability to actually rest because she was also like far from her family. And yeah. so that was almost like a little bit of the beauty of also kind of being in the hospital because there's some beauty parts of it, because especially, for example, if you did not have family. Family, and they're far and if you're in a, a good environment for the most part where the staff is really cordial and respectful of your rights and wishes mm-hmm. right and wish that hospital was from what I felt there and that's the reason why I sent her there they to me they were and she gave me good report like oh man the dinner was great I mean it wasn't that great but you know because I needed to put some salt because you know Caribbean background you know how we love things seasoned you know and, but for the most part you know she was like I was so happy with the care that I received and we even discussed in regards to COVID testing because they were at, you know, against COVID testing. And they already, let, so before we even got there, we already knew what the hospital policy was. Like, if you're not going to do the COVID testing, then you must wear a mask throughout the whole um, labor. And so they were, you know, they're fine. But at least now they were, they were aware of what they will encounter. And it's not like a nuance or a surprise when they get Correct. there. Correct. You know, so that's what we we made the arrangement prior to. Because remember, for the most part, no midwife should be transferring. I call it quote, quote unquote a train wreck. If anything, it should be a smooth transition. I think that that's where the medical professionals respect midwives that come from out of hospital when they come and give you, for the most part, a a, a smooth transfer. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, and sometimes some midwives like to do things a little bit on the heroic end. And I feel like for me, that's not my MO. Um, if I feel like there is a need for you to be transferred, we're going to transfer it. Because my thing is the health, the safety of the mother and baby is not necessarily always the setting. Yeah, yeah. we great. Like I tell them, like, yeah, of course it'd be great to have your baby at home. But if things are not going, if things are seeming to turn, uh, stare a little left, then we need to do our due diligence to, to make sure that 
you know, you stay out of the red and you're in the clear. You get what I'm saying? It's a good point for you to say of the, the level of um, care that you take to take that extra step. Because I think exactly what makes it so, oh my God, is when a mom is transferred and it's an unknown. Maybe they don't know what they're walking into. They don't know what the protocol is at this particular hospital. Um, so I think that's a good point. And I think that's for any mom, whether you have a midwife or whoever, do your do. I think at the end of the day, this always breaks down to education. Educate yeah. yourself, do the research, find out what works for you, what works for your family. I think it's a good point that you said with the hospital. I know for me, one of my um, best friends, <laughs> after she had, I think it was like her second daughter, and she was like, I loved it because they were taking care of me and I was out of the house for a few days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. because so I get it. <laughs> um, like, I, and I thought about that too. I'm like, damn, I did, you know, have a home birth and I stayed home, which was beautiful. You know, I was in bed, but I'm like, I wonder if it would have been nice had I had this same kind of experience at the hospital. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, because even my postpartum, I'm not going to lie. I I, uh, I, I won't keep it real. I, I didn't mind. Now, the birth part, I felt like, no, I could have stayed home for that. You know That's what I'm saying? Right. So it would have been beautiful if we could give birth wherever and then go yes. to that yeah and that's why it's a, yeah and that's why i feel like we have to bring back the village so for me now it's almost like god literally took a shift in my trajectories like you need to bring it back and i said to myself okay then i need to pause this individual practice and i realized it has to be like a more of a community global practice of like we need to go back to what it was because now your village was the one that did that your aunties your grandmother's community came over with food and they took the baby like you were sleeping like when my mom thank god she flew down from florida i was in new york of course living there when i had my daughter my mom flew down i mean but thank god I, once again so i had the baby in the hospital and like i said the birth part i would have preferred to have at home for sure but the mere fact that someone was able to now you know take the baby for so i could sleep and make sure that the baby slept so i don't have that kind of like that mom that mom full wonder like everything okay in that crib everything you know <laughs> you know or anything i was able to get rest i really was able to get rest and i know so some moms they're unable to get that true rest especially if say they don't have a mom or auntie or their husband is not like that great let's just keep or it real in regards to be go back to work and they can't yeah yeah or he sleeps hard you know those husbands some they just don't wake up for nothing it could be a storm you know and you're just here with brand new baby and <laughs> you know baby's crying podcast, podcast episodes i did was actually a woman who owns a, a center in rhode island that is she does baby nursing um sleep training um and postpartum doulas um mm -hmm. And I had never heard, I had a doula, but I didn't hear of about a postpartum doula. And I was like, yeah, oh, that's genius. And she was like, yeah, in other countries, these villages, there's like a place in China, I think it's like a month that everyone like takes care of this woman and the child, you know. Yeah, Ethiopia. Yeah. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, but in the United States, it'd be like, oh, that's too bougie or I'm not paying for that. I need to, I need to be strong and take care of. And I'm like, you know, we've been, again, that word indoctrinated with, it has to be this, it has to be this, where if we take it back, mm -hmm. The thing is that you have to look at the conception of this country of what it is now, right? The United, quote unquote, United States of America, because like the foundation of what that is, is like division, if anything, right? Separation, even if you're talking about like when it comes to um, people that were enslaved or from Africa, like everything was about separation. So family, unit, culture, you know, was ripped away. The native Americans are the native people. I wouldn't even call sure. them Americans, but the native people of this land, they were taken away. Everything was divided, stripped, culture, language right so now you're here the people now the people here here and we're like wait where is the culture where's the family 
where is that? There's where's the village? You know, there's not that's not there anymore because that is not the foundation of this United States of America. And so that's why I say you have to look at the root because when you get the see the root, the core of what it is, then you see what the fruit is. Like, oh, oh, this is pretty rotten, you know, like this is terrible. Like women are not getting the care or families are not getting the care they need. But this this was not the foundation of this country. It was not about family and unity and culture and respect and honoring of that the people's individualized or different cultures. It was about indoctrinating and doing what we're doing, and we you know. And so we're not about the nucleus. Like from my family's from the Caribbean background, we're not about just the nucleus family. We're like you know we're. It's not just the individual, you know, the families inside the house. Correct. You know, it's like the extended family and everybody's pitching yeah, in and everybody. Like you, said, you take care of your grandma, your grandpa, you do and you um Yes, yeah, and, what it is. <laughs> and they feel mm, and they fill in the role where you can and think of that nature and it, it helps. It, it's helpful. And so even the one that you're talking about, the lady in Rhode Island creating that atmosphere, remember that was like I said, once again, that was community. So there was no, the, 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 that is a nuance to a certain degree, a postpartum doula or even a birth doula because, or let, you know, cause there was your mom, your aunt, your a cousin birth was, and then children saw it. So you think your child's going to be fearful of something they see all the time? No, my daughter kind of was like, ah, I don't care. I was going to ask you that next question. Like, how is this, how old is your daughter now? She's 11 now. We started our journey into midwifery at five, but <laughs> so how is she? Like, how does she take this? Does she think it's like the coolest thing in the world? Or is she just like, yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> and then, yeah. And so that's another thing that's really, and it's important. That's why I'm saying you have to find a balance in any kind of career. And because of the way midwifery is, it's not your cookie cutter average career. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on the platform you're listening on. Tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her story. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.